All right, well, good, good morning and happy Easter. We are so glad to be able to gather with you in this way on this particular and kind of peculiar Easter Sunday. So thank you so much for tuning in. And here's what I want for you, okay? This is my prayer for you. I've been praying it all week. It is that the Spirit of God will do what only He can do, and that is to take the truth of His Word, the truth of the story that Matt just summarized for us, and to penetrate your heart with it. To say, you know, those people who are talking to you on your phone or on your TV or through your computer or whatever, they're telling you the truth. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start my Easter message today a little bit awkwardly. And and I want you to know in advance that I realize that it's a little bit awkward. So I'm going to violate communication 101. And I'm going to start with kind of a warning. So there it is. There's the warning. You're like, what is it a warning of? And it's a warning of that we're going to get a little bit of a dose. And it's going to be quick. And it's going to be moderately uncomfortable of reality at the beginning of this message. And I recognize that all the communication majors out there are going, oh, you know, hand over face emoji, like, why would you do that, Tom? You never tell everybody in advance of giving something moderately traumatic that you're going to move quickly through. Okay, notice to the people that that's in fact what you're going to do, and you definitely don't do it on the first ever entirely virtual Easter service. Because A, we've had enough warnings, B, we've had way too much trauma, and C, unlike every other Easter that's ever existed, it's easy to opt out of this one. I mean, if you think about it, last year, if I said all of this and you were sitting there and you went, oh, good grief, you know, like, the last thing I need is another dose of this, you would have had to walk the walk of shame. Like you would have had to get up out of your seat in the midst of a room full of people and it's totally crowded and we're bringing in chairs out of offices because we don't have enough chairs and you would have had to kind of negotiate your way through the aisle, you know, excuse me, pardon me, oh, sorry about that, you know, here's a chocolate egg, now we're even, you know, like everybody's staring at you, where's that guy going? Now, all you have to do is go, click, I'm out. So why should you not opt out? Because after we move through the part of the message that I've warned you about, we're going to get to a promise. And the promise, guys, is so great. Like, if the promise is true and if the Spirit of God says to you, hey, you know those people, that guy, that dude on the TV, and now he's talking, and what he's saying is true, and you believe and receive the promise if and then if that happens then the power of that promise will not just pull you through the part of the message that's moderately traumatic and we're going to get it over with quickly, but the power of that promise received and believed will pull you through absolutely anything. That's worth sticking around for. All right, so let me be really plain. I'm going to begin the message by talking about death, and then we're going to move through this moderately uncomfortable, but, you know, dose of reality, and there's really no avoiding it, discussion of death to a promise of life. And the promise of life that I'm going to give you moving through death to get to is not the promise of the kind of life that you already have. In other words, it's not the promise of a life that will just one day end in death again. Look, that's the kind of life we already possess, and let's just be honest, it's not enough for us. Like, that's one of the reasons why a lot of us are kind of freaking out. Like, we're all looking at the statistics of the coronavirus, and truth be known, we're looking at, you know, our little 10-year increments, 50s to 60s for me, and we're going, good grief. You know, I mean, look, statistics are probably pretty low that I'm going to get this thing, and then that it also will kill me, but it could happen. Like, I mean, I could die from this, somebody I love could die from this, somebody I know could die from this. Over 100,000 people worldwide have already died from this. And it's peaking in our nation, like right about right now. 
But it's not just physical death we're concerned about. As there's other kinds of death, you know, we're, we're trying to calculate in the great unknown of all of this, all of the, the economic ramifications of all of this, and we're wondering to ourselves, man, are my hopes going to die? Are my dreams going to die? Are my goals going to die? Are my ambitions going to die? Hey, you know what? Have any of them already died? Like, is the corpse laying around here somewhere and I just haven't even found it yet? Like, has that happened for me? The kind of life that we already have is insufficient. And it's not the promise. No, the promise is of a life that defeats death. It's of a life that swallows up death. The promise is of a life that undoes death and everything that death brings. And I say it that way intentionally. Because I want you to think about you. And I'll just think about me. Okay, everything that is alive in me and everything that is alive in you right now, every living cell in your body... And every hope and every dream and every goal and every ambition, let's keep it going. Every feeling, every idea, every bit of creative energy, every love, every passion, every relationship, all of it is going to end in death. It's inevitable. So here's my premise. My premise is that apart from the kind of life that we're moving already through death to get to, okay, the life that I'm living presently, the life that you're living presently, if you think it through, has no meaning, it has no purpose, it has no value, and just like our bodies, it's going to end in a box of dust about this big, right about like that. That's it. That's it right there. Which is why I think dust is one of the most significant images in the Bible. I mean, if you just go looking for dust in the Bible, you don't have to look far. You get to like page three, and what do you discover? Because it's something about you. You discover that the Lord God formed the first man in all of humanity, me and you, in him, out of the what? Out of the dust of the ground. I'm dust. You're dust. We're formed out of the dust, but we're fashioned into the image of our God, which means, curiously enough, that even the dust of our bodies are fashioned in such a way as to teach us things about Him. It means that I have eyes that see, that you have eyes that see, not just so that we can see. I mean, that's really helpful. It's incredibly convenient. It facilitates a lot of things. Thankful for sight, but that's not the entire purpose. In fact, it's not even the primary purpose. You have eyes to see to teach you that you have a God in whose image you've been created who sees. We have ears that hear because God hears. We have mouths that speak because God speaks. We have hands that work because God works. We have feet that move because God moves. We have minds that think because God thinks. We have a heart that feels and feels deeply because God has a heart that feels and feels deeply. And even the most introverted of us are highly relational beings. We need each other. Why? Because we're fashioned in the image of a God who is a highly relational being and who created you for relationship with Him. He didn't fashion you from the dust to return you to dust. Look, that's on us. Read the story. Our first parents and every single one of us ever since our first parents have done what? Because it's irrational. It's illogical. God comes to us. He forms us from the dust of the ground. And then where does life come from? Because he's telling us on page three, he's going, hey... Life comes from me. He breathes into the man, to the dust, and he becomes a living soul. 
God has given the breath of life to you. He's given it to me. But you know what? We don't like his terms for gaining life. We don't like his restrictions as we see them. We want to violate the design of the one who's designed us. And we all, all of us have that in us. And so what have we all of us done? Well, since the beginning, we've gone looking for life outside of the source of life, of the fount of life, of the cause of life, of the creator of life, of the author of life, of the sustainer of life. We've gone looking to find life in people and in things that, I mean, again, in the final analysis, sort of like us, will amount to nothing more than a box of dust about this big. And so what did God do? He came to us with a broken heart. He said, guys, I created you for me. Like everything you're looking for in dust Everything is found in me. But you've chosen dust. So if it's dust you want, then that's what I will give you. What is the statement that is above the whole of humanity, emblazoned in letters that are permanent overall? It is from dust you have come, and to dust you will return. You'll return to dust and death. As most of you guys know, my mother-in-law, Beth's mom, died a couple of months ago back in February, and um, and we had charge of her life, and most of you know the story of that as well. So in accordance with her wishes, we had her cremated, and kind of here's the way that it worked. We contacted the cremation company, and then they told us the way that it worked. So they said, we're going to pick up her body from the hospital, then we're going to bring it back to the crematory, and we're going to cremate her, and then we're going to ship to you her remains. And we were like, that's weird. You know, like you're in Hollywood. Why why can't we just drive down to Hollywood and we'll pick up her remains? I mean, that just feels a little different and less awkward than you shipping her to us. It just feels really weird. And they're like, no, 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 sir, you don't understand. We do it one way and that's it. So we're going to ship to you her remains, which means that her remains are going to arrive at your door in seven to 10 business days. So for seven to 10 business days, we're on the lookout for my mother-in-law sort of. And we missed the postman twice. So finally, the guy just leaves a card in our mailbox and we're like, you know, it says go to the post office and pick her up. We're like, okay, fine. That would have been easier anyway. And so I'm walking out the door the next morning to go to this cycling class and Beth comes running out the door with the postal card in her hand. And she's like, wait, direct quote, after your class, pick up my mom. And I thought, this is one of the most surreal moments of my life. I'm going to go pick up my mother-in-law, who's going to be in a box about this big, at the post office, which is what I did. So I went to to my cycling class. I went to the post office because it was like a block away. And I walk in. It's a Saturday. There's one guy working behind the counter. There's a line of people waiting. And so I, you know, I wait in the line. And so I'm like waiting and waiting and waiting. I got my little card, you know. And then finally I make it all the way up to the front. And a line has sort of reformed behind me in the meantime. And I give the guy the card and he looks at the card and then he does something in his computer and he says, okay, I'm going to be back in a minute, which was a total lie as it turns out. So he disappears into the back of the post office and I, not an exaggeration. He was gone for like 10 minutes. And meanwhile, I'm freaking out for two reasons. I mean, I'm thinking, first of all, they've lost my mother-in-law. Like, what has happened to my (laughs) mother-in-law? Like, what do you do now? Like, if she's actually gone, what do we do? Like, she's just, 
she's gone. But the other reason that I was kind of freaking out is because all of these people in line behind me were like looking at me and whispering to them. You know, it's like I was a puppy killer or something. And I'm thinking, guys, you know, look, this isn't on me. They are the ones who lost her. Of course, they had no idea what I was waiting for. And so anyway, after like 10 minutes, this guy comes out with the box, which delighted me for two reasons. One, they found her. So that was a relief. But two, on the box in this bright orange tape, and it's double wrapped in both directions, like you can see this tape from outer space, and it says on it, cremation remains, cremation remains, cremation remains, cremation remains, cremation remains. And so what was awesome is when the guy came out and walked all the way behind the counter to get to where I was, all of these people saw what I was waiting for. You remember all the people who were slandering me? And then they each individually felt like a turd. And I was happy about that. Like I took my little box of dust and I walked by them and I was like, and I took my mother-in-law, walked out to the parking lot, I put her in the passenger seat of my truck and I strapped her in because that's what I always did with her. She was blind at the end and she could never get the strap and the thing and I thought, you know, what the heck, I mean, one last time. So I reached over and I strapped her in. And I drove home like 25 miles an hour. And if you know me, uh, I don't walk less than that. I mean, like that's, it was just a really sober moment, total silence. And all I could think was, you know, if there is no God who sees and hears, who speaks and works, who moves and thinks, who feels and desires a relationship with me, like if he doesn't exist or if there's no heaven, like I die and then that's it and there's nothing after this, no place to enjoy him for forever and all of his people, like if that doesn't exist or if there's no Jesus, God made man come into this world to make right all I've made wrong, all the ways I've looked irrationally and illogically for life in boxes of dust like myself. And if there is no one who has defeated death, if Christ has not been risen, like if any one of those things, much less all of those things are not true, then everything in me, all my cells, all my hopes and dreams, and it's a box of dust, man, about this big. Actually, the box of dust that's inside the shipping package is about this big. That's it right there with a death certificate. That's it. But the message of Easter is true. And this is where I want the Spirit to speak. This is the I've been praying for this moment for you. This is where the Holy Spirit has to do what I can't do. And that is to go somewhere deep in your heart that you've suppressed the truth, that you've hidden the truth, that you've denied the truth, that... You've run from the truth. And to say, you know, that guy on the TV, and you know, maybe you don't even know him, and I get all that, but he's just a spokesman for me. God exists, and he sees you. He hears you. He will speak to you if you will but listen. His hands have worked for you. They continue to work for you. My goodness, they're pierced. His feet move. No, you know what? They run to you. His mind is so full of thoughts for you. Just 
You, because it's an infinite mind that his thoughts about you outnumber the stars. His heart is so filled with passion and love for you that he rejoices over you with singing. God exists and he wants a relationship with you. Heaven exists and there is life after this death. Jesus exists and he's come into the world to make all things right between God and you. And he is risen. That changes everything. That pulls you through not just a discussion of death, it pulls you through death, your own and others, all manner of it. Jesus changes it all. G.B. Hardy, who was a Canadian scientist, said this, and I love it. He said, when I looked at religion, I said, I have two questions. Question number one, has anyone ever conquered death? And question number two, if they have... Well, then, did they make a way for me to conquer it too? He goes on. He says, I checked the tomb of Buddha, and it was occupied. I checked the tomb of Confucius, and it was occupied. I checked the tomb of Muhammad, and it was occupied. But then I came to the tomb of Jesus, and it was empty. And I said, there is one who has conquered death. And then I asked the second question. Did he make a way for me to conquer it? And then I opened the Bible, and he said, because I live, you shall live also. Happy Easter, guys. That is the message of Easter. That is the message of the gospel. That is the message of Christianity. That is the message of the Spirit of the living God to you, if you will but listen. It is, look, there is death, and that's undeniable, isn't it? It's undeniable. But there is life that defeats death, swallows it up, and undoes all that death brings. And it is found through faith in the person and in the work. His cross for you, his resurrection for you, in the person and work of Jesus. So come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And if you've come already, man, let that just soothe your soul. This life is not all there is. There's so very much more. And it's yours, bought and paid for by Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are thankful that you are there. God, you see and you hear, you speak and you work, you move and you think, you feel and you desire us, which is mind-boggling until we consider your gospel by which you yourself have sent your son Jesus into this world to fix what we have broken, to heal what we have wounded, to erase all of the ways that we have sought for life in boxes of dust. Oh, awaken us, God, to the dust. But far more significantly, awaken us to you. Let our hearts be thrilled by you. Let us, O God, rejoice in you. Let us find our hopes and dreams and goals and ambitions and feelings and passions and loves and relationships in you. Let us know what death cannot take from us because we belong to you. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, here's what I would encourage you to do. Like if the Spirit is going, hey, you know that guy? That's the truth. So, And it's the truth for you. 
then humble yourself before the Lord. Let him know that you've been looking in dust. Join the club. I'm a part of it. I've done it. I've been there. Sometimes I find myself back there and I think, what are you doing? Lord, I've been looking for life and dust. I haven't found it. But I believe Jesus has come to rescue me from the dust, to forgive me of my sin. Fill me, Lord, with your spirit and make me yours. Defeat sin and death for me. If that is your prayer, this this is maybe the happiest of Easter's for you. And welcome to the family of God. We praise you, Lord. You are risen indeed. Amen.